This Short Code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcode.com. Welcome back to the sh- to the award-winning Ooh. Short Coat Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. As unimpressive a fact as you will ever hear when put beside the fact that I'm here with Casey McCleary. Woohoo! Eric Neller. Hey, podcast people. Eric Snyder. Sneeders. Sneeders. Hello. And new co-host, <laughs> Cheryl Wang. Hey, guys. I'm pausing for comments about the award-winning aspect of the show. And Questions maybe you might have? We won a, a, I, an Emmy? No. What did you win? Iowa? <laughs> what did you win? Ah, I'm an glad Oscar. You, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> if Boss Baby can do it, like, let's be real. We- <laughs> Golden Globe. <laughs> We were nominated by uh, my coworkers in OSAC, especially Deb Hendricks and the admissions crew, for an Improving Our Workplace Award, <laughs> and we Whoa. were and we were chosen to to receive it because this team's efforts have demonstrated initiative, innovation, measurable results, and a sustaining impact on our efforts to be awesome here th- at the college. I think the measurable <laughs> results are that they like that people are applying here. The- <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> It was most improved? Does that mean like you had a low baseline? Most improved? No, no, no. What was it? Oh, no, no. It does say improving our workplace. Okay. As workplace in, is being so As in our workplace kind of sucked before we exactly. came along. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's awesome. And that's how I'm going to take it. Sure. Yeah. Personally. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, but guys, I may organize and produce the show, but it is you, my co-hosts, who make it what it is. So thank you very much. Not just to you guys. But to all my co-hosts. Anyway. So do we get trophies or like what's the... You get my undying thanks. And oh. a poten- potentially, I'm not sure how many Dave of my co-hosts they will, they, will, uh, they will agree to host. But there is an award. There is a ceremony coming up on, on May, May something or is other. Is there free food? I bet there is. Dibs. I bet. <laughs> you need to tell them we... You heard it here we, first. We either all come or none of us come. Like, oh, is give that... Give them an ultimatum. Yeah. yeah. How many people? <laughs> like five yeah. people per mic. That would be no. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think we have that kind of power. I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not gonna fall on my sword for the improving our workplace. Right. You know I gotta. I gotta take what. I gotta take the uh, the the kudos that we get. You know what I'm saying? Like, Dave just wants to be loved. I just yeah. want to be loved. Uh, let's start off today with some listener questions. First, we have an anonymous caller who uh, I'll give the name Zippity Doodob. She is an allied health professional who had a patient who became sexually inappropriate with her to the point where it got physical. Mm. Her small employer had no policy to address it, so she came up with one after a long period in which the employer downplayed the episode, uh, saying she'd overreacted. It eventually was adopted um, after they sort of sought input from other organizations. And, you know, anyway, it was a stressful time. So this is her question. So my questions to you are as follows. In your classes, do you ever discuss policy for handling and reporting sexually inappropriate patients? Do you ever discuss how to respond to or support other healthcare providers who have dealt with a sexually inappropriate incident? 
And do you ever discuss how, when, and if this type of behavior should be communicated with others inside or outside of your organization? It's a good question, especially in, uh, well, I wanted to say especially in today's climate, but basically it's always been <laughs> a <laughs> yeah, problem. I think we're doing relatively okay <laughs> based on. Um, what do you think, Casey? <coughs> You're you're the one who's been out in the uh, mm-hmm. in on the, the real world, yes, on yeah. the clinics and all that kind of stuff. So I had a patient that was like an older dude with dementia, you know, and like not super severe, but people get a little disinhibited. And um, he was like, he like just he seemed so lonely, and he asked me for a hug, and like he was my patient, and I was like, sure, I'll give you a hug. And so I like leaned down to hug him, and he like grabbed me kissed my neck and i was like oh oh god oh. uh so you know i booked it like i was like i was i was gone um did you tell and somebody? I, yeah i told my team about it like later but i felt really weird about it and like they kind of made me feel really weird about it too because like it it almost felt like they thought like it was my fault mm. for mm. hugging wow. him and it wasn't like a it wasn't like a it wasn't even a big hug. It was just like. So they told you, oh, don't hug. Yeah, they were like, oh, don't don't hug patients. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Fine. They didn't tell you that when you walked in the door. Yeah, you know, right? Which, like, uh, like makes sense. You know, like, I worked at a middle school several years ago, and you can't hug the students because mm-hmm. somebody might accuse you of being a pedophile or something. Mm-hmm. Like, just ridiculous yeah. stuff. Like, people are so high strung. But, you know, but also, I guess it's this kind of thing where, you know, as soon as you get within touching reach of another human they can get you well it's funny because you had a, a an appropriate emotional reaction yeah he seems to a patient, sad and you gave into that which you know it would be nice to think that we could all do that when we right. came across such a situation and i like i wouldn't have died you know like he was still my patient after that like mm-hmm. i wasn't gonna hug him again obviously but like like i don't know like i, I feel like I don't know. I was just kind of disappointed with the team's response because I felt super weird about it. And I was like worried that they yeah. were going to write it on my evals. Like, wow. Sexually inappropriate with patient oh, or something. Oh, oh like, you were sexually No, I know. But like, that's just like, I don't think they would have. And I, they, yeah. I think that's they clearly didn't. the sort of thing that runs but, through a med student's mind when something weird happens. But that's, like, how, is this going to, is this going to yeah. happen? Anytime yeah. something yeah. even slightly irregular happens, you're like, OMG, is this going to go? on oh, my eval how is this gonna work because it can be small yeah and it can be like small things and then like suddenly they're on your eval and you're like whoa you never brought that up again i thought we were over that mm-hmm. but then there's like the scathing eval like, cool thanks everybody so- anyway <laughs> i got off track <laughs> <laughs> wow um but yeah so i don't know and in response to the question then like i don't know if i feel like there wasn't like a lot of discussion about it like there's sort of been warnings that it'll happen and i've had lots of people hit on me especially at the va like it just it just happens and you just kind of ignore it and go on but like that doesn't make it okay also you know yeah um i i don't know we have a policy but it's just like do you know that it exists it's written somewhere yes i know that it exists and then like what is the policy Look it up. Yeah, look it up. I think that was one of those <laughs> those orientation videos we had to watch that were less like forty five minutes long and just didn't happen. So boring. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Amy Young said, you know, people. Amy Young mentioned the VA too. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, and how people joke about it happening there, but no one ever 
um, discusses how to address it. And uh, she also said, I guess the same as you would address any form of sexual harassment, be direct and tell them to stop. Ask someone else yeah. to step in for mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, if you, if you would ask somebody else to step in forward, it, it, to step in for you. Right. I think I'm guessing from what their response to you that that might have happened. If I hadn't wanted to go back, if I hadn't been willing or comfortable to like go back and have that be my patient, I think someone else would have scooped him up. Yeah. Like, I think it, it would have been okay. But, but you might have felt... I still would have felt weird. Like letting the team down. Yeah, or... I still would have felt really weird mm. about it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I the the same day that I got this question... I think probably what this... I mean, the, yes, there is probably a policy. There is a policy. Like, yeah. Yeah, I know. Like, there's this definitely is how a policy. We, this is what we think of sexual harassment. But my experience with policies like that is there's never a concrete way like a concrete system to deal with an event other than something that's really egregious. Yeah. Do you think yeah. that, that might be the case? There's a lot of little stuff that happens that you don't, it doesn't feel worth it to like make a big deal of it. Right. So you just like, don't say anything about it. Yeah. Um, like that's what I put on the exit survey, you know, like, Oh, have you ever been sexually harassed? Have you ever been whatever, whatever, why didn't you report it? And I was like, well, it didn't yeah. feel like a big enough deal. And we, we, yeah. So, so that still sucked, but right. like it wasn't right. And so that's good. I mean that, that policy we have about reporting harassment during the clerkship, um, you know, that's, it's not something new for us, but it is something that recently we have formalized a way to do it, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's good. Um, I'm not sure that in the moment there's really good guidance on what to, or really universal, I guess more to the point, universal guidance on what to do um, yeah. in the moment. And it's probably hard for the supervisors too in yeah. the moment because like you don't want to make a big thing of it and you don't know how bothered the person is necessarily. And yeah. like, I, yeah, I don't know. And it's different when it's coming from a patient versus coming from, a coworker sure. or staff member, sure. which like can also happen. Yeah. Um, like okay, I had this. I had this other thing, and it's not the same kind of sexual harassment, but like sexual harassment comes in many forms. It is technically sexual harassment. Yeah. So, uh, I was like talking to a resident on this one rotation, and I told them that I, I, I told her that I wanted to work with like old people and dementia patients, and she was like, she said something about like, oh yeah, I can't dress like a slut for that. And I like, Duh. after the conversation, I was like, wait, what just happened? <laughs> what the, what did you, what? <laughs> like, I still, I still, like, it was just this, it was so weird. She said the word slut. She literally said the word slut. Wow. Wait, was she implying that you were currently was, dressed like a slut? I think she was implying that I was dressed like a slut. Huh. Oh. And what? like I had on my skirt that I wore to interviews and like a tank top with a jacket over it. And like, it was. Like it was tight, which I guess was I what she was getting uh, at, but like like what? dude. That's like pretty weird. I don't know. I was not thrilled about that interaction. But I didn't <laughs> report that either. Cause like what do you do? Like you don't it, it's not like f- like fireable no. level. I don't even have any proof that she said it. Yeah. I just like and I didn't even say anything to her because it was so weird that I didn't even until after the conversation, I was just like, 
wait, is that what she meant by that? Yeah, I think that's I think that's also part of it. It was so weird. Yeah, I think that's also part of it is like sometimes it takes a while to figure out like, hey, wait a minute. That was hey, wait a yeah. sec. That that's was, not cool. That was that sucked. Okay. So well, that happened. Anyway, that's just there's there's multiple forms. Yeah. <laughs> I um but you know, it's interesting. The same day I got this question from Zippity Doo Dah. Uh, I, I ran across an article by Aaron Wade, who owns a restaurant called Home Room in Oakland, California. Sounds like a nice mac and cheese place. Sure. Yeah. Comfort food. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you guys ever wait tables? I did not. No. Nope. nope. No? no? I waited tables for a day. <laughs> oh, okay. It was day? the shortest and the most horrible job <laughs> I've ever had. That's a good story. What happened yeah. on that day? Oh, man. I was, it, it was the first, I had lied and said that I had uh waitron experience and waitron? well you know that i, I don't it's know like a robot waiter <laughs> i guess so waitron 9000 uh and then you know they put me in the restaurant i was like the only person for like a while on my first uh, day like i had no, no idea what was going on <laughs> so you got fired and then i got stiffed on a check which and i was made to pay for, you know like my own money for real legal no no, what? I know now that's not, that's not legal. <laughs> anyway, I was like, okay, bye. This takes somebody much more special than me <laughs> to uh, work this job. Anyway, uh-huh. I have not been uh, sexually harassed, but um, uh, Ms. Ms. Wade said that her restaurant's stated mission uh, is to be the best part of people's day for both guests and staff and to be inclusive, diverse, and counter to many damaging industry norms. And then she got a bunch of emails from staff about sexual harassment and requesting a meeting with her. So, dun, 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 come to mm. Jesus moment. Um, turns out that those staff had been reporting harassment to their male managers. They'd been pretty much ignored because the men didn't see the incidents as threatening. Yeah, yes. Oh. That is a huge, mm. that is a, that right. is a huge thing. Right, because yeah. most people don't mean anything by it. I guess. But I think Slut Lady did, but you know, like... I, I, like she meant something. I don't know. She, she meant something, but... You know, men don't have this... They just don't have the same reaction. We're not, I guess we're not as in generally, in general, as vulnerable. Maybe, maybe we're more privileged in that sense. Yeah. Like, so what kind of advice all right. did your family give you when you went to college? <laughs> what? What kind of advice did your... Fa- this is it, a good it'll question. be relevant. This is a it'll good be question. relevant. Tell me. What kind of advice did your family and friends give you when you went to college? Uh, none. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, wow. I mean, I mean, my, it was too long my, ago. my parents, you Don't know. fail. You blacked it out. We didn't think you were going to make it this far. So <laughs> we're kind of you guys have our derailed, element here. You are derailing my point so bad. No, no, no. It's just my parents, I think part of it is that they generally have always had the sense of like, you're you generally already know how to take care of yourself. We've never had to push you much to get you to do what you got to do. And I think they just kind of thought, well, my mom did tell me like, oh, never take a drink from anyone other than the bartender. And sure. That was, that was it. Pretty sure. much. I did not get that advice. See, neither did I. I got no. that advice uh, by at least three different people. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's. I got advice not to walk alone at night. Uh-huh. Uh, I got advice to dress certain ways if I was going to go out. Uh-huh. And like I have a lot of this in writing. Like there was a cute little book at my graduation oh, party oh, wow. that was like that was like <laughs> advice for the new college student. And like at least one of those pages, like in writing, somebody wrote like, "Don't take a drink from a stranger." 
It's <laughs> good advice. <laughs> Which is unfortunately good advice. Right. Yeah. You know, but but I I, I ask this question because I think it illustrates a really good point mm-hmm. about the things that women have to deal with that men don't even realize are a thing. Yeah. And it's not because men are evil and it's not because most men are trying to hurt women. You know, it's just that there's a blind spot. It's never happened to you. You have no idea. Well, so I'll continue with this. That's a good, it's a great point. Um, as we, 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 <laughs> we, we just don't see it. And that's why the managers in this restaurant probably were just not yeah. understanding what was going mm-hmm. on. They weren't passing it on. Yeah. So after some thought, she decided to, A, decided to hire more females as managers. Woohoo. I don't think it was she intended to not have women as managers. Mm-hmm. It just sure. had the way it worked out. Um, but then, just as important, they created a system together that doesn't rely on men to make judgment calls on the topic. So, <laughs> so they just sh- shuffle it along? No, the... no. Oh, okay. Here's What's what the they do. They developed a color coding system. Okay. So okay. <laughs> you could report to your manager. Men are, f- men are colorblind, so they yeah. can. <laughs> <laughs> That's another problem. They could report to their manager one of three colors. Yellow, <laughs> as in, I have a code yellow at table 13. Uh, yellow is, these people are just giving me a creepy vibe. This person is just giving me a creepy vibe. Cool. Mm-hmm. Orange is, they're making comments with sexual undertones. Things about appearance, things, you know, like, you know, the right, slut comment. Right, right, right. Um, red is overtly sexual comments or touching or repeated incidents after uh, repeated orange incidents after being told this the is, comments. I'm are like well. soccer. Okay. I'm yeah. Getting, I'm getting an idea okay. of this. Yeah. Carter, you got a flag on the table. Yeah. But the key <laughs> here, the key here is that an automatic response by the manager is required. Okay. So red yeah. means you get ejected from the restaurant. The customer gets ejected <laughs> from cool. the restaurant. Not, not the waitress. <laughs> You're out. You're out. <laughs> the customer gets ejected from the restaurant. Orange means the manager takes over the table. Okay. Yellow means the staff can choose to have the manager take over the table or not. Okay. Hmm. As a result, the problem disappeared. And for obvious reasons. I mean, if the customers are getting kicked out, who are being horrible, if they're a red customer, then that's done. Right. Um, And if the manager takes over the table, then again... The, cust- the customer gets the message, hopefully, and I think my guess is that the manager had to say, I'm be taking over your table. This has been escalated. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, um, My guess is that, you know, the message is received. And if it's so, not, it's going to turn into a red real fast. Yeah. Right. So This relieves the woman, the women from having to retell and live their terrible experiences, number one, as in, you don't have to go to your manager and say, this happened. Again. Again. This happened again. Um, will you help me? There's none of that. Con- that conversation never happens. Hmm. And it relieves the managers of having to make difficult calls about things that might not seem a big deal to them based on their lived experience. Mm-hmm. Right. I yeah. love this idea. I like that. That's a good idea. This kind of reminds me of I saw a post on the Internet of this bar somewhere where if like a woman is feeling weird, they have placards on the wall that say like, if you order a certain drink, it's actually a signal to the oh, bartender. Oh, I saw that. Like if you order an angel shot, it's like, it's like, like help. I'm I'm feeling harassed, and I I need someone to like Somebody walk me to my car out of here, or like get rid of this guy over here or something. And I thought that was really that's good. really good. That is yeah. such yeah. a good idea. I I like that system a lot because it takes all the questioning out of the game. There's no like, there's just no in between 
things. There's yeah. set levels now, which is really cool because I think that's what we run into a lot of trouble with a lot of this sexual um, assault business is like it just feels like it's on a spectrum at some points and it's like where on the spectrum do I say okay this is where I draw my line but other people might draw, draw a line somewhere else yeah so this takes that spectrum turns it into discrete steps and gives them the freedom to do with that what they want which I think is really neat yeah and you don't have to you know if you're like flirting with a, a customer at a table and you actually <laughs> like them you don't have to report them yes. you know um so it, that would be, oh, yeah. that would be weird. you know you're really cute but i gotta report you're, you you're kind mr of, red you're kind of a red right now just saying <laughs> um, uh, well there is a problem here i mean I, I think this could be adapted but the problem with this situation is becomes kind of obvious when you think about who you're serving in medicine you, uh, you don't get a chance to decide who your patients you are. Can't really no, that is yeah. Yeah, you, no, can like, you can. You can fire patients, but not as a student. <laughs> yes. Can you? So how, how does that work? Because you're supposed to help. Like if you're in the ED, you can't. Right. Can you kick somebody out who's being a horrible human I being? I think you can if they're being like real bad. Mm -hmm. um, but would you? Or, like Most people you wouldn't. Could. You could give them another provider. But yeah. like I know the ED has a policy that if you're threatening staff or if you're like dangerous then you can and they cannot handle you like then you can probably they're gonna. you can kick belligerent people out um it does not happen very often <laughs> yeah in in an environment where lots of weird things must happen right 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 and like i like I, i've heard it in family practice mostly you know if you have a patient that like misses a whole bunch of appointments and won't show up for stuff you can be like you're fired as my patient or like you know they come in and they're a jerk and they won't take your advice for anything and they like threaten you and I don't know, like if somebody threatens you to get opioids or something, like you can fire people as patients mm -hmm. and then you don't really have to see them anymore. But okay. I don't know what happens after that if you have to find them a new provider. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So you can't totally treat us like crap, but the point stands. It's a slightly different It's got to be very, very bad to be a red. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, yeah, I hope uh, zippity-doo-dah that... Um, your situation, it sounds like, like maybe your situation has improved if you're still at that organization. Um, I think, oh, I wanted to say that one of the other problems is that, you know, if you move on from your current situation, from your current employer or from your current hospital or your current, you know, whatever, the whole thing goes out the window and, you, you know, because there is no sort of, I don't know, widespread understanding of how to deal with, um, this sort of thing. Well, I mean, she got her if she got her thing in place, then like yeah, she did. Yeah, then she had to fight for it. Sounds no, like she yeah. had to really fight for it. But now it's in place. That means it'll stick around once she's gone. Yeah, which is a big deal. Right. Oh no, I meant from if you if I am moving from one job huh? to another job. Oh well, she then can, I have to start over. She again. gets okay. to reimplement it there. Too. Yeah, <laughs> changing the world one meal <laughs> at a time. All right, I have another listener question for you from Yanis who is currently applying to medical school. I am not traditional in that I got an MBA slash MA in health communication and health sector management. I did not take any science classes through postgrad, but I know I need letters of recommendation from science professors. Do medical schools take that into consideration when looking at letters? Also, can you guys vouch for me and write my letter to Iowa Harvard <laughs> oh School? Oh my gosh. Ha 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 ha. 
Uh, I chose uh, that. I chose no, that really. voice. I chose that voice specifically for how it rendered. Oh uh, my uh, god, uh, that was very good. Awesome. Good choice. Um, what do you guys think? Well, I'm out the door, so I'm not writing his letter. You guys go. Oh man, I didn't mm. understand what he meant by "do medical schools take that into consideration?" Like, what part of his situation was he? I about? think what my interpretation mm-hmm. is. You guys correct me if I'm if I, you interpreted it differently, but my interpretation is: Do we take and do medical schools take into account? the situation that he's in when making a decision rather than saying well well you haven't done science um in a while so no you like being a non-traditional student right. you're not gonna probably have that same access to your like old you know yeah. science teachers mm-hmm. that you did in, like an undergrad yes so. yes that's mm. you know that's a much better way of putting it how long is in a while because well, you might want like a refresher yeah I, my understanding I of his question though is he hasn't taken the science like He's saying, I got an MBA and did these things, and I haven't taken my core science classes, but I need to do that stuff. I didn't pick up on that. I picked up that he had an MBA. He got MBA after whatever degree he got. Because he may have gotten his prereqs done in undergrad. Yeah. That would be a bigger issue if he didn't have any of his prereqs. Got to have those prereqs. Yeah, I think step one is make sure you have the prereqs. If you don't have the prereqs, you're not getting it. I'm assuming he has those. Well, those classes expire in like five years, don't they? Yeah. I didn't. I didn't even know that. I don't know about expire, but I don't even know what that means. I know your like MCAT <laughs> expires after so your, many years. Your MCAT expires. Three, M- three two years. Two or three years, depending on the school. Okay. Five years is. I'm pretty sure it's five years because I was a non-traditional student mm. and I was. I had a three-year gap, so I was looking at those things to make sure. Huh. Yeah. You know, I wasn't towing the line on some of those requirements. So that's the first advice. Make sure you're not out of range and like you might have to retake some courses. Yep. So who, who wrote your letters of rec then, Cheryl? That was actually hard for me. Okay. I, I actually mm-hmm. could not apply to my alma mater's um, med school because I didn't have enough science letters of recommendation. Oh, wow. That sucks. Yeah. It's okay. I, I'm, I'm really glad I ended up here. Okay, she hated that school. Yeah. <laughs> They're yeah. terrible. Screw them. <laughs> yeah, I... It's okay. You don't. Know? <laughs> <laughs> edit, edit, edit. <laughs> um, but like, so I did take some. I did my core classes in undergrad, and I didn't have that many professors that I. Even if I did really well in the class, I wasn't that great in undergrad about, you know, being someone that the professor knew the face Making of. Making those yeah. connections. Yeah. So I, Same. I had a hard time getting those science letters, and then after. Mm-hmm. After undergrad, I started working in the medical field, and I'd take a class or two, and I'd just make sure I'd sit right at the front, you know, like talk to the professor all the time, and it was like really easy to get those letters of recommendation. I did talk with Daniel Schnall, our admissions and enrollment coordinator. Good last name. Yeah. Schnall. He said, I think he said, first of all, contact the schools you're thinking of applying to and ask your question. Mm-hmm. They're all going to oh, have... That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish I would have done that. They're all... <laughs> you know what, though? I did that. I, I had a huge spreadsheet when I applied to med school, and I had every every school's contact and all this stuff, and I'd email admissions I wish I about done that certain questions. And some of them, Iowa was so nice. Like, the people gave me really good in-depth answers. But I remember, like, Colorado... School of Medicine was just like, we have a page with information. And it was like, I have seen the page. That's why I'm emailing you. And I got a couple schools, you know, like that just kind of 
it was a waste of time to email them. That tells you oh. something. It wasn't a waste of time because now you now I know. Now, now you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Take that, Colorado. Ah! <laughs> I'm not even gonna edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> no. They may have. They may have changed that. Maybe. Just true. If oh, that's, you're not very far into. If that's school, true, University on, of Colorado, Colorado, and I know you're listening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Send us a correction. <laughs> Bring it on. Bring Respond it on. to my email. <laughs> yes. It's not the too email. late. <laughs> email Cheryl back, please. Email, yes. <laughs> She's been waiting. Um, yeah, and we so hosted by Colorado. <laughs> it's actually um, you know, a great way to, as you said, get a feel for how responsive mm-hmm. your school is. How yeah. how you know that's important. Yeah. yeah. Uh we at Iowa don't require your letters to be from sciencey fancy pants people mm-hmm. if you're in that situation not a requirement but you do as we said you do still have to uh, fulfill prereqs and if you did that during undergrad one thing we might look at as we implied before is how long it's been since you've taken those classes and how well you did so daniel suggests that you know if you got like a 4.0 in your science classes and it was four years ago the admissions committee might be inclined to be okay with that yeah um I'm not going to make any guarantees, mm-hmm. but you know, that might be, they might be more inclined to not, you know, throw you in the ash heap of medical admissions. Um, <laughs> if you got a 3.5 and it was four years ago, or you did better, but it was six years ago, they might ha- start having some questions at that point. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so, uh, you know, it's not cut and dried for all medical schools. You know, you, you just got to, you know, feel them out. We, we like to take a, lo- uh, a look at, more than just what classes you've taken and and the grades that you took in those uh the grades that you got in those classes but um arisa thought you might be surprised also to find out what they consider to be science courses if you say psychology Uh, i swear to god i don't know what she meant by this she did not give she uh, meant psychology natural disasters one and two (laughs) (laughs) those are classes here like ecology geology one yeah Yeah. Yeah. oh rocks for jocks rocks for jocks I took that class. And my school was like cosmology 101 or something. Oh. Dolphins 101, stuff like that. Really. <laughs> Dolphins 101? Where did you go to school? Yeah. Lisa Frank School of Art. <laughs> oh, I don't want to throw my school under the bus. <laughs> oh, that's fine, yeah. <laughs> also, how he had this analogy. Let's say you were a pro baseball player and switched to playing pro basketball. Even if you were an amazing baseball player, those skills might not transfer to basketball, even though they're both sports. I have no idea what he means by this because I do not understand Sports ball. Anti-Michael <laughs> Jordan not effect. that complicated. Uh, yeah. Baseball, you swing at something. <laughs> Basketball, you uh, dunk things in hoops. Okay. <laughs> um. So anyway, there you go. Yeah. I hope we've answered your question. I would say, you know, what it all boils down to, reach out to your schools. Um. And get really strong non-science letters. Yeah, and that's get, what yeah. you've exactly. got. Then you yeah. want them to be very strong, and you want to be ready if they ask you a question about it, like in interviews, or maybe include a thing in your personal statement with how you've stayed involved in science, because there's a lot of science in med school. It turns mm-hmm. out. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't don't underestimate that, especially in the first couple of years. So, yeah. like, it it might yeah. actually be difficult for you to get back into the swing of that if you haven't done some science recently or stayed somehow involved yeah. in those subjects so. and i guess if it's if it's a case that you know <laughs> your your dream school really wants you to have um those sciencey letters of recommendation well take some science classes yeah. as a non-degree student get some great grades develop some connections 
with uh, sciencey types and then ask them for letters. That's exactly what I did, actually. Mm -hmm. Is it? Yeah, because... um, Why the hell have you been so quiet? Well, I (laughs) I I just want to yell into the echo chamber, but basically, like... (laughs) That's all we do. Same same thing, like Cheryl was saying. Like, I I took three years. Like, I had, like, three years of gap. So, um, I did a lot of Army stuff, actually, in in that time. But when I kind of finished all that and I was uh, trying to get into medical school, I was like, man, who am I going to get to write these letters? All these, like, Army people? Like, I'm like, eh. So, I actually... (laughs) Yeah, I actually found I like. Assume not army medical. <laughs> yeah, like I actually did have one letter in. I, I don't know. I can't speak to like which letters got me into the into the program, but none of them got you out of the program. Exactly. That's what's none, most none, important none, none about them, letters. None of them with that red flag. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I actually I found a university nearby and I took some just like maybe like I took three classes as a non degree seeking student, like uh, kind of uh uh. What was it post back level classes yeah. and uh yeah i just did those did really well on them you know was really close with professors that um you know i i was taking the classes with and you know they get they wrote me letters and that's what i that's what i used to kind of cover that you know yep. you know that base so mm-hmm. that'd be my recommendation if you have the semester to kind of like and the time to kind of do it mm-hmm. yeah and the, the unfortunate thing about having to retake classes and stuff like that is it can be kind of cost prohibitive mm-hmm. um but all of med school is cost prohibitive, so you're already kind of opting into that situation, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Get used to it. But but med school is, it's not cost prohibitive so much because the cost is like delayed till the future. Applications are actually- It's, it's a gamble. That is true. It's like a gamble. Like you're because like, you don't actually have the money necessarily at the time, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Applica- applications you're are definitely worse. Travel yeah. and the immediate. Stuff, yeah. But I mean, I think it is also kind of cost prohibitive, just the amount, because some people don't want to be that much in debt. Like if you're already $50,000 in debt or whatever, then like maybe you can't get good student loans. When I took non-degree sure. classes. Anyway. <laughs> oh, it was like two. You're not wrong though. When I took non-degree classes 200 years ago, it was like, or- <laughs> 200 years ago? 200 years. I, wow. When I took non-degree, <laughs> I my actual age, I'm 900 years old. <laughs> Even then, he was a non-traditional student. Even <laughs> two hundred years ago, when I took non-degree classes twenty-five years ago, a it was only to remain an employee at UMass Transit Service, one of my favoriteest jobs ever, and b uh, it only costs like a hundred bucks. So what must oh. that have been like? I know, right? Hmm. I wonder what it would cost now. Anyway, more. <laughs> our old friend Polyus has written in with a comment on our recent episode about test anxiety. Uh, so during that show, I'd recommended an exercise or a technique for those who experience unwanted circular thoughts, something that works for me, which, um, you know, basically you um, you hold ice cubes tightly in your hand until you can't take the pain anymore. And that short circuits <laughs> the Whoa. circular thoughts. And it actually... I will torture the bad thoughts out of my mind. <laughs> well, you can't, you can't focus on anything else. You can't focus on those bad thoughts. And they go away. <laughs> That's true. It's like the yeah. scene in House where he uh, has, like, leg pain. So he, like... I don't remember what he did. Like, slice his arm open or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's that the, if I shoot myself in the arm, that, I won't yeah. feel my leg anymore. <laughs> that would be one way to do it. Yeah. My father always used to tell me, like, I'd be like, I hurt my arm. And he'd be like, well, I'll kick you in the knee and you will feel better. My dad said that. (laughs) Not that specifically, but. All right. So he had uh, this recommendation, which in turn came from a classmate of his. And he says works well. 
Imagine a square and trace its side with each breath. On the in-breath, go from left to right across the top, then on the out-breath go from top right to bottom right, and so on. If you want to get fancy, you can go in the third dimension and trace a cube, or a pyramid, <laughs> or whatever else you can think of. And overachievers. <laughs> so you might try that, if, you're, if, if uh, pain isn't your, isn't your thing, <laughs> like it apparently is mine. <laughs> so you, it's like a laser light show in your mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's actually that's a mindfulness technique. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Like growing up, I remember I like did something similar to that in a class where they, but it, where the light was actually physically in the room, so they turned the lights down and then you yeah. followed it with your eyes. Very similar to like what that is describing, and it it works. It's pretty cool. So you're like a mm. cat with a laser point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very calming, you know. Yeah. Mind mindfulness meditation is really cool. Also, I imagine that voice. I, I hear the like, let's begin the sit-ups now. I, yeah. Ready? Begin. Yeah. Up. Down. <laughs> up. Down. You're, like you all like know, middle, you're all hearing middle it. Middle school flashback right there. <laughs> I had when I was a boy. I had a lot of trouble getting when I was a boy. Something only old people say. Two hundred years ago. When two hundred years ago. When I was <laughs> I that was a, a mere lad. I had a bird and a stone tablet and a bird pecked out. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> Poor bird. Uh, I had a relaxation tape. This was, yes, back in the days when they uh, were tapes. Ooh. And uh, it was, you know, it featured the voice of this very, uh, very deep voiced man <laughs> speaking <laughs> relaxing words, um, it, guided imagery type things with uh, nice music in the background. I still, every once in a while, I still go on Amazon and look for an equivalent, uh, not a sponsor, look for an equivalent uh, relaxation tape because I could use this sometimes when I'm going to sleep. Anyway. Aww. But you never found it? Never, haven't found it yet. Someone I'm, find Dave's relaxation tape. I'm a little afraid to uh, buy something now because it just won't live up to the... Aww. It won't, right? <laughs> I mean... I don't know. It might. Um, he also had an actual uh, or a question. So, I am working on a research project to learn about how rural communities deal with losing their physician due to retirement, death, relocation, etc. Do you or any of your bright med student co-hosts know of any specific communities that I should keep on my radar? I'm starting this project in Virginia but would be interested to visit Iowa and its rural towns in the coming years. Well, Iowa would be a great place to do that sort of research, as well as Virginia, um, especially. Did you say Virginia or West Virginia? I think you said Vir Virginia. Virginia. Okay, so yeah. I don't know. Normal Virginia. Normal Virginia must have places. What do you guys uh, think about this? Any any thoughts? Any rural peeps? Yeah. That's the thing. I'm not. So I'm, I'm I'm still acclimating to the whole rural setting. Yeah, where are you guys from? I'm still trying to pronounce rural. Yeah. Rural. <laughs> not, rural. I'm not going to say it. Rural. Yeah, I grew up in uh, a town of 5,500 right here in the state of Iowa. So. Okay, so it's even yeah, smaller than mine. The name yeah. of the town? Uh, Manchester, Iowa. Yeah. You should oh, definitely check Manchester. it out, dude. It's, I've been there. Yeah, and we have a, our hospital's pretty dope. Like, Tell us, Eric. Okay. Okay. Is it off the chain? <laughs> so, <laughs> you, know, you know, 21 years ago when I was growing up, not 200, but um, so it Shut started up. off as this tiny little hospital. <laughs> Um, and then in my time there, they've added on like three different editions. So we've actually seen a growth of physicians, which is probably not what you're and maybe necessarily interested in as a primary thing, but you could also look into that as a side project 
on your research project as it's like well, a regional too. hospital project. yeah and we've kind of morphed into that but in, and we have seen towns around us lose their doctors so mm-hmm. people are driving you know 20 30 minutes now to come to manchester but um it's not it's not terrible it's not like they have to go like hours and hours to get their health care yeah. my guess is i'm sorry go ahead. oh no go ahead my guess is that there's plenty of towns in iowa though that are much smaller than 5,500 or whatever. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, and yeah, they do have problems. Like 50 people. Yeah. Wow. And I had some, I had some good conversations. <laughs> like, <laughs> they don't even have a guest. <laughs> yeah, last night there was a family med uh, meeting thing, and I went to that, and there were physicians there from all over the state. And the number of them that said they moonlighted in ERs, like, across the state, was pretty amazing to me, too. So they're making... Mm-hmm. They like so there are definitely doctor shortages in the states, especially in psychiatry. That's mm-hmm. that's where we really struggle as yeah. a state. Um, number like fifty out of fifty in the country. So Lisa Weir had this thought: uh, rural <laughs> places often have a really hard time keeping doctors, so you may have to ask around a bit to find a town that has actually had a doctor for a long enough time to get that connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, her hometown of two thousand people hasn't had a doctor stay for more than three or five, three to five years, as long as she's been alive. Um, but the best place to start might be to get in touch with family medicine clerkships at the uh, state. Um, medical school or at whatever state you're talking about, but especially here, as a lot of the mm-hmm. preceptors are older docs who live in small towns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might be a place. Yeah. To, they you know. scatter us out like dandelion seeds across the state yep. uh, yeah. to, to spend a month in some of the more rural communities. Um, and like, it, it also depends. It depends on like how rural you want. So kind of like Manchester, uh, my hometown's a little bigger. I'm from Newton, which is like okay. 12,000, yeah. 13,000, something like that. You know, so for Iowa, it's it's quite large. But for everywhere else, it's quite small. <laughs> um, the regional hospital for that area is in Newton. Um, same for, like, Spencer, which is where I did my family med rotation, is also, like, a, a, a big, small town. Um, so it depends on if you want, like, the small, small towns, which probably don't have a doctor that live there at all. They probably have a doctor that, like, will come out to them or or you know like a like a, like a travel yes. well we do we do like outreach clinics mm-hmm. um in some of the smaller towns stuff like that and uh yeah it's it's very different i think lisa's right than it than it used to be where you'd have one doctor that mm-hmm. just like settled down and was the doctor for that area but they're out there and yeah i think just a, like a lot of persistence yep. is going to be the key to a project like this well all right well that's our show <laughs> we, don't, l- we don't have a game no, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. But the audience. I had two extra hours and I don't even have a game. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the game is guess what Dave did for two hours instead <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of facilitating our I'll amusement. give you a hint. I was researching fire pits on the internet. Okay. What? So, <laughs> for links to some of our topics, some of the topics on today's show, visit this episode's show notes at theshortcoat.com. But for now, that is our show. Eric, Eric, Cheryl, Casey. Thank you so much for ha- taking the time to so hang out with me. <laughs> Two? Or multiplying. <laughs> and thank you, Infinitely listeners. more Eric's than we usually have. <laughs> and thank you, listeners, for making us a part of your week. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and open your Apple Podcasts app right now. It's probably already open. And leave us a review there. Reviews like the ones left for us recently by B-L-K-D-V-L-F-M-Y-A-V-R-B-A-D-I-A. And pre-med Suzanne. The first one was Black Devil. I don't know what the other one was. Help us. I didn't want to. It could be. Well, anyway. I, they help us. B-L-K-D-V-L. I know. 
they help us come to the attention of other listeners who might benefit from our show. If you don't like what you've heard today, let us know why and we'll consider your feedback. Or if you have a suggestion for something we should talk about or seek fairly informed sleep deprived advice, you can send those things to the shortcodes at gmail.com or you can leave us a message at 347-SHORT-CT. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College Medicine Student Government and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities Program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox and our closing music is by Catmosphere. Talk to you in one week.